and welcome to the DM's Book Club, a podcast where we read about some Dungeons & Dragons and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. Today with me, we've got another guest. We've got Matt. Matt, how are you, my friend? What have you been up to? I'm good, I'm good. I've been very, very busy this week working on the latest issue of Dragon Plus magazine, So, um, which has been, uh, yeah, there's a lot of Candlekeep stuff in there, and mm. that book has 17 authors, so we talked to all 17 authors, which is um, like doing 17 features instead of a feature. <laughs> so do you want to quickly tell us about what Dragon Plus is, in case, because obviously we've not, we just sort of brought you in and just were like, can you talk to us? And yes. then like, oh, yeah. what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Dragon Plus is very important facts to get across, because I'm finding that people don't really know all of these facts one it is the official dungeons and dragons magazine mm-hmm. it is the follow-on from dragon magazine which was a printed version this is the digital version which you can read on the web or as an app and two it is free mm-hmm. so don't be scared of downloading that app when there's no <laughs> micro charges there's no we're not going to bill you for anything okay it is not only free to read there is lots and lots of free stuff in it as well so we give away adventures We give away uh, NPCs and stat blocks and things like that. We've got a really, some really cool stuff coming up from a great artist and a great writer who we've brought together and they are just having the best time and we're loving what they're making. So yeah, so jump in and read it and there's loads of stuff in there. It's great. Yeah, I absolutely love you. Got You always get really good cover art. I was I was admiring yeah. that the other day. And also I know you do, uh, was it Origami? There was an Origami Albert or a Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was super I mean, cool. The listeners at home can't see this, but uh, what I found was if you print one out <gasps> A3 and one out A4, you get a mommy and a baby Albert. Oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs> that is so cute. So how did you get into role-playing then in general or at least writing about role-playing games um yeah it's that classic story of your parents worrying about you doing some really nerdy thing <laughs> and thinking you know like you're never gonna get a, get a job doing that like how what do, you, what do you do maybe you should go outside more maybe you should play more sports kind of thing and then now i'm the editor of the official dungeon dragons magazine which i do kind of rib my mom about every now and again <laughs> but yeah i played from a really young age like from a really early edition i would have been about 11 or 12 i think when we first played my first dm was a guy in my class called tusha rajendran who's now a professor at a university Amazing. um yeah. And from there, I when I went to, I guess, college, I played a different system for a long time. So it was really interesting because I played a system called Rollmaster, but we played lots of D&D adventures. Ah. So the DM there had to translate everything into a different system. Oh, my goodness. So I've played through all the classic D&D adventures, but never with a D&D character a lot of the time. So, wow. uh, yeah, which is kind of weird. And I lapsed. I lapsed a bit in life. You know, life gets in the way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to it when one of one of my friends from college said, we're not really in touch very much more. You know, this kind of group of friends that we had. What if we set up a D&D game? Mm-hmm. Um, and for a part of this, I was living in L.A. as well. So I was playing over the Internet. Oh, um, wow. But we set up this game. And we we're playing this game. So I got back into D&D yeah. and I was working for a company and my boss there went to work for a different company and he lived down the road from me. And I literally walked by him one day and he said, um, oh, you write about video games, right? Um, we've got some video game stuff we're doing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll drop you an email this afternoon. And I went to walk away. And just as I was walking away, he shouted, and you don't know anyone who knows anything about D&D, do you? Amazing. And I was like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I know about D&D. And literally about three days later, I was in an online conference call 
being unveiled as their editor for um, the official D&D magazine. Holy so, like, shit. Amazing. Crazy, crazy, that- yeah. So playing online then, so you've got a lot of experience of like, as you were saying, so were your, uh, sorry, did you say your college people, they were back here in the UK then when you were playing yeah. online? Wow. Yeah, so we started that game when we could all, you know, I could drive back to Stoke-on-Trent and sit at a table and play with them. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to LA. So I was like, okay, well, I'll research how to do this. And I believe we were playing with a very early version of Roll20. Mm. where you could type in there's no fudging of the dice rolls you would literally have to type in this complicated little mathematical equation in brackets of like you know i do one d6 plus brackets you know forward slash six yeah you know kind of thing just to make everything work there's no quick way just to click like you can in beyond now Mm. beyond where you just click a dice and choose how many dice and just do it really really swiftly (laughs) um but yeah it was was great it was and and it was a you know, I was away from my home country, so it was a, it was just amazing to be able to connect with them. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way that we all know is very important right now. Yeah. yeah. And what was the time difference like then? Because LA obviously is on the uh, the west coast. Yes. So I'm guessing was it very late for them and really early for you? Or uh, so we tended to play a weekend so that we could do like their 12 p.m. was like my 8 p.m. or something. Mm. So we could I could still play for a good number of hours, um, but no one was getting up too early. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting habit of the job is that you know I have done the odd 2 a.m. interview. Yes, because a lot of people that I speak to for the mag are based in Los Angeles or Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and every now and again, you know, it's normally it's pretty easy to move them off a time that's difficult. A lot of people are really OK to do what is a nine, nine a.m. for them, five p.m. for me or 10 a.m. for them, six p.m. for me. And that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. But every now and again, you get somebody who is, you know, uh, I won't name them, but they were working on two big D&D products mm-hmm. at the same time. And they were at a convention one weekend and a convention next weekend and they were literally going home dropping a bag picking up another bag going to another convention mm-hmm. and he said look i've got this one hour when i can speak to you and it was i think it was like 2 30 in the morning or something for me and i was just like sure we'll do that I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah let's do it you know well, I think that's just what it is. Like D and D, obviously, creates so much creativity and stuff. And like you said, right now, there's obviously that flexibility, and people are. Yeah. It's so nice that people want to talk about this stuff. But that's not that's not what we're talking about here today. We're not talking no, about Dragon no. Plus. No, no, no. We're going to talk about something completely different. So, Matt, what is our topic of choice? What have you got for us today? So, the topic of choice is the Dungeons and Dragons Annual 2021, mm. which is interesting in a, in a few ways because. Just talking about interviewing people in America, this was produced by Egmont in the UK. Mm. So actually, everyone I everyone I spoke to about this was in the UK. So we could just do it normal time. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is good. But also, it's funny how when I tell people I'm in I'm in the UK, mm. they talk about the fact that back in the day, TSR, who originally published Dungeons and Dragons, actually had people had kind of like a sub office in the UK, mm-hmm. and they produced a lot this whole string of adventures that people are really fond of. Mm-hmm. So people often talk to me about those adventures just when you mention the fact that you're in the UK because they have this real connection to the country Aww. from that point. That's awesome. So it's nice to see another UK company kind of um, putting out D&D products because, you know, it is such an international brand. It's played all over the world. So mm-hmm. Yeah, like they talked about, what was it 13.7 million people are playing it now according to stats and stuff? It was like... 
incredible yeah. from what i saw again from the introduction it's really sort of open talking about its inception and stuff and it's interesting because it does say that this manual is not only for the veteran players but it's for the new players as well yeah yeah yes interesting i i, I <laughs> yeah. read it i read it this morning and i've got to be honest i feel like if i was at brand new to D, and if only oh, if i had some uh, uh, younger brothers and sisters i think this would be perfect for them for me yeah. i guess because i'm just so invested in D now i'm like I know all this, <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah. but I think that's that's great. And I, I just love how, I mean, you probably know this more than me, but I don't know if there's been another D&D annual like this. Like this feels like the first one, obviously recently, yeah. but I don't so know if there was one this, earlier. So this is interesting. So the first thing they had a trouble with is when they were talking to people about what this product was, they did a big press drive where they talked to a load of bloggers and a load of influencers and stuff and sent them copies of the annual. But before the copies of the annual arrived, people were just struggling to get their head around what it actually was. Mm. Because in the UK, this is like an institution. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to kind of September time and your supermarket, your bookshop, lots of other places will start to stock these, you know, have a display of like, here's this year's annuals. And it'll have all the big stuff in there. It'll have a Star Wars annual. It'll have Premier League football annual. It'll have all, you know, this kind of odd product touches all these mm. amazing areas. But it doesn't really work like that in other countries. They don't have the same thing. Oh, really? So they were talking to like Australian and US bloggers and they were saying like, no, I don't get it. Like, is it a comic? (laughs) Is it like, what, like, what is it? Like what, you know, you're just saying annual, like I'm supposed to know what an annual is, but I don't, we don't have an annual here. I genuinely thought that was a really well-known thing. Because for me, I used to get, when I was, when I was a teenager, used to get the Guinness World Book of Records. And that for me was like the pinnacle of, and I just assumed (laughs) everywhere I have it. I had not considered that it just might be a UK based thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, So when I pitched putting this in Dragon Plus, I had to explain to them what it was as well, which I found really interesting because I found a product. I have a product Ah. from fourth edition, which is called the Dragon Magazine Annual. So I assumed at least that team of people would understand what the annual was. Yeah, because they've already done it before, surely. (laughs) Yeah, they've already done it before. But it it turns out that this is is actually from something called D&D Insider, which is like they had like a subscription program where Mm. you could get new characters and spells and all the kind of things you would normally get in a source book now mm-hmm. but you would pay like a monthly subscription and you would get access to that right and then this kind of collected together the best of those things oh. so that there was like an official book form uh for those things yeah oh. but it's um yeah so it should i kind of went into this thinking it was a known concept and then very quickly was like, okay, so the, literally the first thing we have to do in the article is explain to people what an annual is, because otherwise yeah. they're just going to have no idea. I actually had not considered that at all. That must, yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, for you and me, it's something that we've grown up with. Like, I remember when I used to sit by my grandparents' house, they had, like, copies of, like, Beano annuals and Dandy annuals, and we used to just read them yeah. all the yeah. time, like, you know. And so I, I grew up with them, so I was like, yeah, annual. I had not considered that. It, it might be a cultural thing. That's, that, that's blown me away slightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. incredible. To go back to your point about the fact that this needs to, it's trying to be quite broad in that it obviously wants, I guess people will be bought this if they're into D&D. So it needs to have stuff in there that's going to, you know, entice them as well. Mm -hmm. But realistically, the way this is written and the way the stuff is presented, this is like a really good thing to give to somebody who's thinking about D&D, whether they're watching Critical Role or, you know, one of the many streams that are online. And they're thinking about it or they've seen it in Stranger Things and they're like, 
that seems interesting. Like, can we play that? This is a great thing to give them to just really gently introduce all the concepts and all of the things that are in there without any of the scary stuff, like, you know, the scary stuff in air quotes <laughs> of, you know, like, uh, here's a character sheet with numbers and things you have to understand and do. It's like, no, you don't, you know, that's not, that's not D&D. That's just mm -hmm. a part of it. You know, it's just how we play. So, yeah. But yeah, looking through it all, because it's just under a uh, hundred pages and yeah, it's got yeah. little bits of everything. And I quite like how it just, just takes the parts you need if you were just starting out. So yeah, like you said, there's like a quick history of like an overview of what D&D &D is. Here's like, here, yeah. here it is if you need, yeah. if you want to know. <laughs> and a quick start guide, what you might need, how to do character creation, but it's more in depth. And it's certainly, I would say more user-friendly. Like it just looks cleaner yeah. than in the player's handbook. For me, when every time I look at the player's handbook and I want to hand it to someone to create a new character, I'm like, Oh god, it's the it's the two columns block text, and, <laughs> yeah. and I go Bleh. so I I always have to go and use a different link. So it's really nice to actually see visual images on that. Yeah. So I thought that was quite good. And yeah, you've got like tips on world building, which I quite liked. Again, and just little bits and pieces which yeah. you would assumably yeah. get if you bought a Dungeon Master's Guide or the Player's Handbook. It's just all down into one as an introduction. As a result, I like that. But again, exactly what you said is that if you are if someone in D and D and if someone didn't know D and D that well but knew you you're like here you go and give you the annual and then you're like oh but i already know all this it's very pretty but i already yeah. know this being able to introduce it to a newer audience and stuff who are just slowly coming in through the streams or through podcasts yeah. i think this is really great ideas why don't you give a sort of brief overview of like what's in the annual itself we sort of touched on a few bits but like what sort of stood out to you would you say just before i do that what i would say is like one of the amazing things about dnd is that you're always learning something new about it. It has mm. now this like amazingly long history and there's all this stuff that happened in it and it does a good job of doing that. Even I learned something new reading this. So mm -hmm. um, I was reading the stuff on Barovia and Ravenloft yes. um, and uh, Strahd, Count Strahd von Zarevich, who's one of the most famous characters. Mm. And that D&D setting is like playing through Dracula, mm. right? Mm. It's it's really good for that. But even I hadn't looked at the wider elements of that. And the first thing that it tells you about is that Barovia is this part of these dark dimensions. Yes. And there yeah. are these beings who are effectively choosing mortal characters to be their proxies. And they're playing out this war in that. Mm. Now, I've never looked at Barovia like that before. I've mm. only ever looked at it like being a really cool vampire story yeah um so it's yeah it's kind of this that's the great thing about dini is there's always something in there that's going to surprise you and spark some imagination to make you think oh man i'm definitely going to use that that is really that's really cool yeah and just to quickly add to that point yeah because what's interesting in curse of strad because i've actually been looking at quite recently because i've got the new uh curse of strad revamped yeah and my, my big thing <laughs> about that is that it's a soft cover book thank goodness i feel yeah. so i feel so much better as a result but um yeah that completely focuses on barovia and it sort of mentions these dark powers but it's only up to i think it's was it level 12 you get to by the end of it is yeah. the way you, you don't yeah. get up to level 20 so the fact you could finish that campaign and go but there's but something more and then you could really go into those deeper dark powers and use that as a home brute so yeah i actually had not considered like there's a whole other element to that and this is just one small part yeah oh, brilliant yeah. brilliant and also the fact that barovia used to exist in the real world and then they just made this other version of it and imprisoned Strahd in it basically like where's barovia then like where where is it you know in the, <gasps> yeah in the is it world? is it like an actual mirror like version of it or is yeah. it like completely changed because of these dark powers yeah absolutely yeah. So to answer the other point, so this thing does a really good job of trying to capture this kind of 40-odd-year history of D&D, &D, which is 
ambitious thing to do even when you've got 96 pages you think well that's cool we've got 96 pages right there's so much stuff in dnd that it's you're almost just cherry picking some of the best bits mm-hmm. and kind of showing it it has four core areas so it has world and law gameplay community and activities and it does a pretty good job of looking at all of those mm-hmm. for starters dnd isn't just played in one world Mm. So people may just think it's, oh, it's that standard fantasy setting. You know, it's, I've seen Game of Thrones. I understand what it's like. It's warring regions and, you know, armies on the wasteland and, you know, zombies coming out of the snow kind of thing. But no, there's like a whole multiverse of stuff. So Barovia, as we just spoke about, isn't even in the normal D&D world. It's like Mm. trapped away in this area. It's really hard to get to and it's even harder to get out of. You've got other worlds like Eberron and things like that, which are almost slightly steampunky kind of things. Mm-hmm. You've got, it's not used a lot these days, but originally one of the inventors, um, E. Gary Gygax, he created a world called Greyhawk. Mm-hmm. And all the early editions of D&D use that. And there hasn't been a Greyhawk book yet for fifth edition, mm-hmm. but you can, there's a whole world there you can adventure in that isn't, is less a part of Faerun. So it's like, there's all these kingdoms and it does a nice job of kind of like giving you a world map and, showing you that kind of stuff and trying to explain the kind of connected nature of these things, which is good. Mm -hmm. The other thing it does is there's a really fun character called Volo Mm -hmm. and Volothamp Jedom, I think his full name is. I'm glad you pronounced it. I was never going to ever pronounce it fully. (laughs) So thank you, Matt, for for taking that pressure off me. (laughs) Yeah, he's great in that he's a travel writer, Mm -hmm. but he's this sort of inept, bumbling, you know, almost like a Mr. Bean type character. And you keep thinking, like, how does he not die? He just he just sort of shambles his way out of terrifying <laughs> events and things like that. Mm-hmm. They when they did Tomb of Annihilation, which is set in a continent called Chult, mm-hmm. which is like an Indiana Jonesy style action adventure place. It's all kind of jungles and hidden temples and stuff like that. They made these like travel to Chult posters, and they've all got Volo on. And my favorite is that he's like looking at a map, and there's like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, like, <laughs> l- you know, looking over his shoulder at the same map. And Volo just hasn't spotted that this thing is there for. It's like <laughs> classic Volo. Classic Volo, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They use him to, they wrote a book called Volo's Guide to Monsters. Mm. And so they've cleverly used him as a way of introducing the monsters in this book, in that he kind of talks you through some of the classic stuff, like probably most people will know a Beholder mm-hmm. as the, one of the most famous D&D monsters. It's this kind of ten-eyed, large blob of an eye. Kind of <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's a, I was going to say blob, and you put eye on there. So yeah, blob eye, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. They introduce things like that. They introduce a few other interesting things like Durgar, and, and which are a kind of dwarf that lives underground and is sensitive to light, but can shoot spikes from its beard. So yes, it's pretty good at doing that as well. Probably one of the best things is, mm-hmm. D&Ds are not an unusual game because you, know, you get a board game out, everybody plays, everyone has a chance to win or, or you know, lose or take part, do stuff. D&D is unusual in that someone is running the game. So they have to plan stuff. They have to kind of have a general idea of what the players are going to do, even if the players may do exactly the opposite thing Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it does a nice way of kind of introducing how to master dungeon mastering as well. Mm. Because that's that's one of the humps it's difficult to get people over to play D&D, is no one wants to run the game. So you need to know somebody normally who will run it for you, it's a lot easier to run the game than you would think. Like, 
I about a year ago I started DMing again for the first time probably in like 20 odd years yeah and I was genuinely terrified that first session Hmm. and like half an hour in I was just like why was I scared of this this is like really easy like what what was I worried about you know yeah and you're playing with friends they're not going to rag on you if you get something wrong they're going to be you know they're going to give you a little bit of leeway they're going to be like you know i don't think that's how that works like doesn't it work like this you hear like horror stories on like all the all the dms out to kill our characters and have a total party kill my thing is that the dms is your biggest supporters they're yeah. not there's i can't remember there was a film out ages ago which i remember where it was like someone running dungeons and dragons and then the new person comes and just ruins everything and <laughs> as a result the dm got really mad and then it split the friendship it was all about the friendship between all these all these uh guys and yeah. i was like that's so rare that happens. And usually yeah. if, if a player does that, people are like, that was a really asshole move. We're going <laughs> to kick you from the thing. Because yeah. I always think the DM wants you to succeed. And also the players want the DMs to succeed. So if the DM's yeah. like, I just need to check out this rule, people are like, yeah, cool, take your time. And then they'll probably have a chatting character and you go, right, <laughs> yeah. now I've got it now. And people don't care because it is such a, it is an experience. And certainly now, I think online, I'd hope that people are more sort of willing to like, be like more accommodating. Be like, yeah, of course, just yeah. take your time. We're not, we're not going to, to rush or anything like that. So yeah, I, I I do like that in the sense that these like the obviously the mastering dungeon mastering and tips for world building they are they're short and they're yeah. very very encouraging. There's such a positive tone for it, and there's a, a teeny tiny box that says like you don't have to do voices if you don't want to. And I think <laughs> and that is yeah. so important because I think a lot of people, as we sort of talked about, when you're doing streams and st- when you're watching stream stuff, you know you like your high rollers and your critical role. These are voice actors. These are people who do voice acting yeah. for a living. Of yeah. course, they're going to have a billion and one accents under their thing my thing has always been if you decide to put on a voice commit to it let, <laughs> let, let your players get over the shock of it yeah but carry on because and if you keep it consistent like oh this is the quirk i do to get into character or whatever people will just accept it and it's absolutely fine so yeah and oh yeah i i really liked how they wrote about the dungeon mastering and like and admitted like we get it. It's scary. But if you do it, you gain so much more out of it. And I definitely feel yeah. that. I've yeah. got more comfortable doing it through over and over again and just going with the flow and not caring too much about getting the rules right. Or, or you know, if I go, oh, I got that wrong. Sorry, guys, I'll sort that out <laughs> next time, you know. The other great thing about it is, is that it is a proper UK annual. Yeah. So it has the staples in there that you would expect. It has puzzles in there. So um, many puzzles. To, yeah, so many puzzles. <laughs> well, we spoke to, to the writer was Susie Ray, and I spoke to her, and I was like, I love the fact that there's puzzles in here. And she was like, I would just fill the whole thing with puzzles. Like, I love puzzles. <laughs> so it's like they had to really rein me in on, on that. So, yeah. Because you had all different ones. Like, you had a, like a, a Sudoku uh, spell yeah. type one, which I thought was really good. Obviously, you got your crossword, you got your spot the different stuff. And we sort of mentioned it before, but there's like the tales of the first encounter. So the actual oh, yeah, play, by, yeah. play by through of, and it's just, you know, completely generic sort of like, here's how it normally goes down when you're playing your first session. Yeah, actually. Yeah. What was cool about that is that it's obviously all the players, you know, forget their names or they get the name of the tavern wrong or something like that. And they just normalize that, including the, the player who's really shy and then obviously yeah. gets the killing blow. Yeah. And everyone's like really supportive of that. And that was, I think that was just such a nice example of like, this is what, your first session could be like you know yeah that's something you very rarely see kind of recreated mm-hmm. and it kind of i feel like that reading through that would make you more confident at your own session because you'd kind of you'd be like well when they did it it kind of went like this and it's kind of going like that for us you know mm-hmm. like that's how our game is playing out so yeah it's a nice touch that one mm-hmm. and it's kind of 
they don't do that as one block of text. No. They kind of break it up and kind of split it up through the thing so you can go through that um, mm -hmm. as you're going through as well. Yeah, almost like f find out next time on, and then you have a few like sort of almost like ad breaks, I'd say, and then you come back to the story. So I quite like that. I, I should just quickly mention as well, I really loved how, like, yeah, so they spotlighted a few like streams, uh, you know, Rivals of Waterdeep, Critical Role, High Rollers, and podcasts as well. But I really liked how they spotlit some game shops as well for like sort of the yeah. DVD Beyond and stuff. Uh, like I saw Bad Moon was in there. I've been to Bad Moon. <laughs> yeah. I, it's yeah. it's such a lovely, lovely place. Um, weirdly, I've only been there to see war, uh, war gaming stuff. But it's. I was like, oh, that's really. I was really pleased that they got in there because there's such a, a small shop, and obviously right now everything's a bit shaky. Yeah. It says, yeah. but I was. I, I was like, oh, that's so cool to actually see like a shop that I've been in and know a few of the staff of and everything like that be in in a manual that obviously yeah. I could own. I was like, that's really cool. They even get extra life in there. So this mm. is this is a charity that Wizards of the Coast as a whole supports. So. They do a lot of stuff on the Magic the Gathering side. They do a lot of stuff on the D and D side, and they raise hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. I think they're I think their total their total over the years they've been doing it is about one point five million at the moment. So it's really good, um, and it all goes to kids' hospitals in America. Mm -hmm. um, if you live in a certain part of America, you can make a donation and kind of say, "I want it to go to the hospital that's near me." So you can. Really it's cool. really good at doing that as well. Yeah, they do a lot of stuff with it, and they they don't tend to. It doesn't tend to be very pushy. Mm -hmm. It tends to be often, if you buy this cool thing, that will effectively be a donation to Extra Life. So they keep, they constantly create lots and lots of products every year. So I was really glad to see that in here because it mentions a lot of the adventures mm -hmm. um, that they made. It sadly doesn't mention the t-shirts. One of my favorite things is yes. Emmy Tanji is a designer at Wizards of the Coast. And she does these amazing kind of cartoony style versions of thing she's on the our cover right now um with that's her version of the three kobolds in a trench coat that's on the uh, cover yeah and she made that for an extra life t-shirt mm -hmm. so i have one of those uh one of those t-shirts uh, they're really great uh, but yeah that's a that's a really good charity i also like that at the end of this mm. there is a like they call it test of wisdom yes <laughs> and it's kind of like you know quizzing you on how well you read this book and like asking you stuff about that. And I kind of like that because I feel like that will make people pop, you know, like they might've got to the end rather than just closing this thing and like, that's it, I'm done. Mm. Maybe they'll kind of pop back and go like, well, what was that? What was that thing? What was, you know? So you could easily just miss little bits and pieces and go, oh, yeah. wait, what? And yeah, absolutely. And I think my only thing would be with that test. For me, when I ever see tests like that, when it's multiple choice, I want like, if you scored, X amount of uh, yeah. you are the master of the realm or something like that and <laughs> yeah. have a little little bit like that um that would be my only thing on that because uh, I, yeah i absolutely like that as well when you have your 20 questions and stuff and yeah overall like i really really enjoyed it i thought it was a really truncating all of this 40 years of of, of yeah. stuff into yeah. A really easy format which didn't give lots away as well leaving it open for more annuals to come out i think that's the key thing is making sure you your first in a series i would assume has yeah. enough to entice people in but not everything so people are like right done otherwise it's just another 200 page book that people go right i bought this i don't need to buy any other books it's all fine um, <laughs> yeah is there anything about this it's about you like, oh i wish this would have been a little bit different or something i would have improved on in terms of an annual itself would you say i think the thing that we talked about before which is i think i would have had slightly more things in there to slightly deeper dives on things where 
okay, I'm, you know, I've played D&D, I kind of know how that works, but um, maybe really dive into one topic here or, you know, or one area, because this is a very well laid out book. It's a very pictorial book, which is mm. good. You know, you're not gonna, gonna open it and be put off by the fact that it's it's text on text and text and text, um, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think there was an opportunity in here, almost because you know, D, when you play it, you work in levels, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. So there was almost an opportunity to say, like, this is for like first level people, and this is for like fifth level characters, and this is for like tenth level stuff. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like that would then cater to the people who are more more ingrained in it right now mm-hmm. but also it would give the people who are reading the first level stuff a something to aspire to to kind of know more about that but also be not to feel bad if they don't quite understand what's being said in the kind of higher level box mm-hmm. so that that would make it slightly more all-encompassing i feel yeah i, I can't remember if it was on the dnd beyond website and it showed about how many characters were at different levels and the first levels one to five were really really high and then it drops off and it goes up yeah. to level 20 because everyone wants to see what their level 20 character is yeah <laughs> but there's, no, there's not necessarily anything in the middle and i feel here it would have been cool to have even if it's just like one page solo adventures but it's like here's some story hooks or a one page adventure aimed at characters level you know mid-tier so and, yeah. and have that yeah. throughout I found the Volo stuff really interesting. So there's, it comes up about three times. And yeah. then I do find the choices odd, I, I say to the least, because I, I, I agree. Like some of the stuff, so you've got, obviously you've got your mimics, you've got, like you said, your beholders. I thought Durgar was an interesting one. But yeah. you also have the Rakshasa, which is like yeah. a le- level 13. It's, it's a very cool character, but it's again, a, a level 13 and it's there. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty badass. We're like, because there's no like introduction, like, oh, first level characters, this. It feels like a really odd ones just to pick and put in they're scary but (laughs) they'll be absolutely annihilated by a rakshasa and then you have like the white and the lich so obviously whites are a little bit lower levels you know i can see them more often a lich this has never played team of annihilation (laughs) like (laughs) you're gonna get blown away you say that but seriously in the campaign that i started again Mm-hmm. The first big bad at the end of the first adventure was a demi lich. <gasps> he was like he was underpowered to be at their level, but he was still a demi lich. Mm-hmm. And then they've actually already met another lich in oh. a castle. Mm-hmm. There's a great lich who lives in a castle in Princes of the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and they managed to completely avoid the thing that I was trying to get them. The direction I was going <laughs> to move them in, like a whole adventure thing that I'd written, just never happened because they were Amazing. like, "No, we're not doing that." And so I pivoted to having them meet this lich in the castle who kind of lives in this secret room that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. And we went off on a different, completely different direction there. So you can introduce some of this stuff without wiping out the party. Yeah. But you have to be very careful because if they'd attacked that lich, they definitely would have died. Yes. So you have to kind of lay the base work of like, you know, you feel like this is a really powerful being, says the mm-hmm. DM in like a really obvious yeah. voice. Like, yeah, all well, <laughs> energy crackles from their fingers. Yeah. <laughs> but what I did quite like about it though, like, and it did the same with, because um, it also talks about all the classes as well by the, the artificer, is that it gives you a good sample of what the, what the class does or what the creature does without, like you said, going into detail about here are the stats, here are this and that yeah. and the other. Yeah. And I quite like that because, as I'm sure you know, when you're playing D&D, a lot of people go, oh, it's a mimic. Okay, it's stats are like this. Because like, people just like, get used to it. Here, it's more about the flavor and how they're described and stuff. And they're all, yeah. their weakness is that they take probably take damage from a magical weapon, but it doesn't say like, you know, immune or, or anything like that. So I thought that was actually a nicer way of putting it because yeah. then it allows 
people who are uh, wanting to be DMs to change it without, because I guess there's that thing about, oh, but it's in the stat block as this. I mean, you could, anyone could actually change it. But I think here it's like, oh, you could change your own thing about it. It's just all flavor rather than printed in a book. But yeah, I, I did consider that it's an interesting sort of pairing because I I assume maybe maybe a dragon or two would would appear, but maybe that's something that's going to be for later. It's nice to have sort of the a bridge guide to these monsters. I'd I'd love to have another pairing perhaps because there's only six that I could count. Yeah, yeah. Um, compared to when you have uh, playable classes, I was like, yeah. it would be nice just to have another one of those just to balance it out and be like, because you know you don't have to meet monsters when you're playing D and D. You don't have to yeah. kill them or anything like that. Yeah. But it, it, that's what makes it's so cool is like, you know, this is something that's so different from our own world is that there are creatures out there who are monstrous, you know, are terrorizing the town, but you have to go sort it out, whether it's through combat or whether it's through social engagement and stuff like that. So, yeah. The only other thing I was like, I'm not so sure about is that it did towards the end feel like it was getting a bit like a catalog. It's like, here are are all the things you could buy. And I was like, I've already bought all of these. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's interesting. So on Dragon Magazine, we run the same risk mm. in that essentially we're just, all we're doing is saying like, hey, look at all this cool stuff that's out there. Mm-hmm. And it could read awful. It could read like a press release, you know, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time you're, what you're doing is you're just saying, right, okay, how do we make this interesting to the reader? Because even though we're trying to, you know, even though we're trying to say, hey, Candle Keep Mysteries is coming out, you should buy it. It's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. You actually, what you're really saying is, Candle Keep Beatrice is great, and here's why it's great. Yes. And here are the people to tell you why it's great, and what's interesting about it, and what's what's unusual. And so that's a better read than just, and people will buy it if they think that, mm. rather than you press releasing it and in a really boring, yeah. you know, kind of like, oh, like, oh, wow, I feel, I really feel you're selling this to me, you know, like, <laughs> as opposed to just telling me about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we run we run that same kind of gamut. But yeah, there are there are a few pages that are like, and here are D adventures, and it's just a it's, it's like a little job window of something you would see on a website of click to buy. You know? it, but the sort of shining light from that though, so like the Forgotten Realms, the adventures across the multiverse, it had the big picture of the Sword Coast, and then it's like there's an adventure on this and then a summary of that. And I really yeah. like that because yeah. then you're like, oh, well, I want to know more. So like that one talked about uh, Lost Minds of Phandelver, the Tomb of Annihilation, uh, Dragon Heist, all those sort of things. And I, I was like, that's really cool because then yeah. you can you can match it up. And I, I'm a big fan of maps anyway. But yeah, when I opened that page and it was like, oh, here are all the modules. I was like, well, I bought them all. I've not read them. I, <laughs> damn, your marketing has worked. <laughs> overall really really good a really good introduction to stuff again maybe i'm not sure about the audience who it's aimed at but i yeah. like if i knew yeah. someone was getting into D and wanted just to have a quick overview of stuff i think this would be a really good introduction and i think the other thing as well like the, this like i said the step-by-step guide and creating a character so straightforward and i, I would yeah. probably go to this more so than the actual uh, uh handbook just because you don't have to read lots of text it just goes through it very simply for everyone. So yeah, yeah overall, yeah. really good. I'm putting together a group of people who've never played before at the moment. A group of friends who frankly never thought they'd play D&D, who I've, you know, because we're locked down and I talk about, you know, I we do meetups and I'm like, oh, I can't, I'm playing that night, I'm playing that night. <laughs> and they're like, maybe we should play. It's like, maybe we should do that. So I'm putting that together. Um, I think. This, this is one of the easiest introductions, you know, so I said that to some of them, of being like, well, it's read this bit and read this bit, and that'll give you a kind of flavor of what we're going for. Um, so it is a really good instruction that, as opposed to some, I don't, I don't want to say better than some of the WotC stuff, but it is a, maybe a little bit better. <laughs> it's a little bit better, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Well, well, 
thank you so much, Matt, for like, because I hadn't actually read it until you sort of sent it to me. So thank you so, so much. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. There's a few things we can recommend that are kind of, if this interested you. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking for the deeper dive, there's a book called, it is massive. It is huge. It's called Art and Arcana. Mm. And it's put together by a group of people who absolutely love D&D. And they are like D&D historians. And they went out and found every image, everything that had ever been created for D&D. And they brought it all together. And they tell, they tell the history of D&D by showing you lots of pictures of posters that were made and, you know, pamphlets about the satanic panic and stuff like that. It's a really interesting but actually really enjoyable kind of thing to go through and read. And it, you will know everything about D&D after you've, after you've read that. It's, it's kind of insane. And on the other end of the scale mm. are the uh, Young Adventurers mm -hmm. guides, which now finally come in a handy Young Adventurers guide collection oh, so of reversible books. Yes. And they do a really good job of um, the first ones on Monsters and Creatures, the second ones on, uh, he says, not being able to read, yeah. <laughs> uh, Warriors and Weapons. There's one on Dungeons and Tombs. And there's one on wizards and spells. And I think that maybe they may make more of these because they've been super popular. Mm. Um, they're a really good introduction for kids. A lot of people came to D&D through the art mm. and they really just liked the imagery and they liked, you know, dragons and they liked heroic people fighting and all the kind of imagery that goes with that. Those books do a really good job of very simply explaining stuff and having loads of great art to go along with it as well. The next one they've got is Beasts and Behemoths, which yeah. looks incredible. Yeah, I, it actually is very reminiscent for me when you look back at sort of the older editions, how they just were just books like that that would just come up randomly. Like I know, obviously, we now have like the Player's Handbook and this and the other, but that's what it just reminds me of, just the, the artwork and this, the way they've come out. Whilst I absolutely love reading through big books with lots of text, it's just nice to see all cleaned out and like, here's the basis, what you want to know. And then if you really want to go deep, you can do that in these yeah. other books. So, yeah. So, Matt, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you're up to that you can talk about? Uh, anything, <laughs> yes. anything like that? Let's know. First of all, obviously go and read Dragon Plus. Like I say, it's free. It's amazing. We get to talk to people that nobody else gets to talk to. For instance, we talked to everyone who wrote something for Candlekeep, and there's 17 of them. So it's mm -hmm. like really in-depth sometimes. <laughs> um, we're often the first place you hear about new D&D products that are coming out. Yeah. Um, so we, we have stuff in there that no one else has yet. I play with a group of players who are now called Roll Together. Find them on YouTube. You will find a really fun action adventure, adventure that we just did, where we're basically driving a muscle car through hell. Standard. And, uh, <laughs> I just assume you do that anyway, Matt, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, of course. That's, that's my weekend normally. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, on our way to kill Mammon, who is a demon lord of hell. So we're all wow. um, It's quite. It's rude. It's funny. It's action-packed. People don't get my jokes. It's great. I love it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> they made it this big deal of the fact that Mammon's house looked like a like a drug dealer's uh, house from Scarface, say. Mm. And I made this Scarface gag and there was a, a like tumbleweeds oh. after it. And I was, and I was so gutted because I, I was like, I was sure that would land. I was sure that would be like, come on. If, if they make it look like a Scarface, surely at least one person got it. Oh, that's, yeah. that was awful. Oh no. <laughs> but it's really good fun. It's mm. so good. A great cast as well. And why don't you tell people what we're doing? Yes, I will. So we, uh, you and I, and uh, three other wonderful friends of ours, we've got John, we've got Dee, and we've got Mira, who have also 
very kindly guested on this podcast, we're doing Pantheon, which is going to be, it's five DMs who never get to play, and each of us will DM for each other for at least a couple of levels through a whole world we've created, and that's been a very exciting time. Um, did you get your, your roll-up dice bag in the end? Uh, I, d- I did not, but I've been promised, I've been promised to Oh, well, so, well, I, I will say, spoilers, 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 so we got a map drawn, and everyone got a dice bag apart from Matt. Who yes, gave- why did it turn up? Well, someone should have put their postcode in correctly, but also... <laughs> yes, yeah. Someone it's- should have remembered that they moved house is what they should have done, yeah. Well, but yes, it's going to be really exciting. We're, we've done all sort of the prelim sort of one-shots, and now we're hopefully in the next couple of weeks we're going to start putting this stuff together to actually yeah. record. I'm really excited for that. And actually, I was talking to, to John uh, on when he was on. We looked at the uh, gothic lineages of uh, Unearth Arcana. He's, oh, now yeah. cons- he's now considering changing <laughs> his character to Reborn as okay. a result. Yeah. Interesting. There you go. Yeah. Hot, hot goss for you, Matt, because uh, I'm the only one that knows that. <laughs> but excellent. It's going to be really good. And the other thing I do, I run the What Am I Rolling podcast, which is a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. As always, as I say on this podcast, it's going super well. What's going on with me? I'm doing a the Wrath and Glory one-shot, which is a Warhammer roleplay fantasy one happening at some time in February, which is way past when this episode is going to go out. I, <laughs> I'm sure it went really well. Matt, Matt I, I've looked at the rules. It was amazing. That's what I heard. Oh, yeah. stop it. Uh, <laughs> I made I made a Scarface joke and nobody got it. How's, how's that? Um, but yeah, all that's going really well. And, you know, I recently played not for the podcast actually but just in general i played a game called alice is missing which is from hunters entertainment and it's a completely silent role-playing campaign you're just on a whatsapp group and you, one of your friends goes missing and you're all playing friends of this missing person and you, over the 90 minutes you find out what happens and people play cards and stuff on roll 20 and it was really good and we had to leave voicemails for it and oh by the end it was <laughs> It got very tense at the end because I was playing, um, again, we didn't record it, but I was playing the best friend who was a complete bitch. And I was being, and I had private messages with other people. I was like being nice to them and then being a bitch behind their back. And it was, by the end of it, I, we had to, when we did the debrief, we did the thing where it's like, what thing would we like to take from this and what thing would we like to leave behind? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm passive aggressive anyway, but I don't want to be that passive aggressive in real life. That's just a general recommendation. Alice is missing uh, from Spencer Spark, I think they're called, but it's hunter's entertainment really really good brilliant well that's us done for this time so so until next time friends we will see speak here talk i matt i don't end these well (laughs) anyway we'll see you we'll see you again we'll see you again bye for now bye (laughs)